Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell. I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs, and I've been in business since 1994. The purpose of the Method to the Madness is to get to the real deal of what really works. Talk about what we really all should be doing in the world of health and fitness and cut through all the BS. All right, so I'm going to do a continuation today on if you can measure it, you can manage it, because I had a great question come up about it. So we're going to pick up on that a little bit today. And before I get to that, I want to thank Jonathan and Lynn Gilden of the Gilden Group Realty Pros. They currently have over 280 five-star reviews on Zillow. And you know what? The real estate world is changing. Houses aren't selling as fast as they were. Now, it was maybe, uh, I don't know, four or five years ago, my next door neighbor sold their house and it was maybe on the market a week. And now the same next door neighbor, well, different next door neighbor, same house, is selling their house. I mean, is it me? I don't know. Hope not. I actually like these folks. But anyway, uh, it's been on the market a while now. So it's a changing market. So if you want to really sell your house and cut through all the fees and all that stuff that's going on, you might want to get a pro. Check them out at 386-451-2412. Man, I was thinking about that. That's two next door neighbors in five years. You know, is it really because of me cutting my lawn? At 4.30 in the morning, I really don't think it's a big deal when I'm trying to stay fit. You know what I mean? Hope that wasn't it. But if it is, I'll chase the new neighbor away too. I'm not going to not cut my grass at 4.30 a.m. It's the right time of day to do it. All right, so let's get back to the serious matter at hand. Someone said to me, they said, you know, I've been working out for a really long time. I hit my initial goals, I did my initial stuff, you know, and what do I do to continue to assess? Like, do I have to do formal body compositions and formal step tests? And like, I want a way to measure myself, but does it have to be this kind of like tricky assessment? They're mostly talking about body composition and things like that. I thought it was a good question and I thought, you know what? I will answer you, and I did, but I also told him that I would make it part of a uh, shorter podcast to kind of piggyback on what I was talking about earlier this week. So the answer is yes and no. I mean, so in the trans-theoretical model of behavior change, there are six different stages of how to kind of get people, help people, I should say, get motivated and go to the next stage of development. Ultimately, what we want is maintenance. Now, this model originally came from smoking. And what it essentially meant was that we don't always just turn a light switch on and change behavior, that it's really more of a stage of change. So we go through different stages and hopefully finally get to maintenance. The physical fitness world took on this stage of change model, I don't know how many years ago, it's been a long time, it's been since I was teaching the 
personal trainer certifications, I know that. And uh, modeled after the smoking, stopping the smoking program. And, it, you know, I like these programs. I mean, I, I like these things. They, they work pretty well. I mean, nothing's as cut and dry as any, like, change, model change is cut out to be. But, hey, it's got its perks. But in any event, how this is relevant to today is that in the action stage, which is the stage just before maintenance, the rule of thumb is that if you want the person to get to maintenance, and maintenance is essentially they've been doing the new behavior for six months or longer. That is the maintenance stage. That is where we want to be. So six months or longer, the belief is that the person's pretty well set in a routine and they're going to stick to it. Action means that they've been doing all of the right things, like maybe hitting the gym three times a week. They've been doing their cardio on their own and they've made some diet changes, but they haven't been doing it long enough. That's the action stage. So the belief is that in the action stage, you should reassess and set new goals. Like the reason why people maybe don't make it to maintenance is because they don't do that. And that does make sense. I've seen many people hit certain goals and then flame out and stop training. I don't get that as much in the personal training environment because of that. Like we know that. And so we help people kind of get re-motivated after they hit milestones. But I see it all the time with friends on social media or people I know. They'll say, you know, I was really, really hitting it like gangbusters and then I don't know, I just lost focus, I, I kind of hit a goal and I stopped. Happens all the time. So the rule of thumb is set new goals, but you got to reassess to set new goals. So in the case of somebody in maintenance, like somebody who's been working out for a really, really long time, the chances of you getting out of your routine isn't very good, thank goodness. Like you're probably going to continue to stick with what you're doing. So congratulations, you hit that point that you're really doing what you should be doing. And my wish is that everybody did that. Because I'm 100% convinced that if everybody was working on their physical fitness as much as they should, we would be a healthier, that's a fact, and happier world. And I believe that to be true too. So congratulations. But I also understand how someone could get a little bored. Someone could get a little, you know, not as into their workout if they don't have goals. So my advice to them is, yes, continue to look to reassess in different ways. But does it have to be the so formal, let me go in and get an assessment done? Or even with some of my long-term clients who, when they came in, as I talked about, we first do a pretty formal assessment where we go through the health screening, then we do body composition, then we do some form of cardiorespiratory testing, then we do some form of muscular strength testing, and then mobility testing. And it takes a bit, you know, it takes a good 45 minutes or so. And even some of them that did that after few sessions of not a few sessions after a few reassessments it's like okay they're really doing well no we don't need to continue to reassess all these things all the time but what we can reassess constantly is strength i mean that's a pretty one 
pretty easy one to continue to reassess. So if you are a gym goer and you're working out on a regular basis, I mean, one of your best assessments is, are your weights going up? And a lot of times people get pretty happy with where they're at and they quit following the progressive overload formula, which I think is a mistake. I mean, we don't have to necessarily go, okay, I'm going to do this totally textbook. I just got 12 repetitions and I did it two times in a row. So now I'm going to go up by 5%. I'm going to increase my 100 pound chest press to 105 because I'm following the progressive overload. I mean, no. I think in the beginning, being really, really specific to progressive overload is important because it helps people to make gains without overdoing it. And it also keeps the gains coming on a regular basis before they hit kind of a lull. But if you've been working out a long time, I think it's just really important to continue to track your loads. And, you know, you can ask us. I mean, we keep charts and that's the most important thing we keep in the chart is the weight. Because the reps can be, you know, pretty subjective and they're not like overly important as far as what's the difference between 11 and 13 reps. Not a lot. I mean, again, in the beginning, when you can barely eke out that 11th rep on a certain exercise and you get to 12, well, it matters a lot. But then you learn after you've been working out like six months or so, that 13 might become 11 or 10 at a different time because you're just not feeling good that day. So it's really not that big of a deal if the reps are slightly different. So do we keep track of them? Yes, but we mostly keep track of the load because that's really important. Everybody has a rep range that works best for them. For most people, it's in that 10 to 20 ballpark where they tend to respond really well. It's a safer range because it's not too heavy and it is a range, meaning that it can get higher, it can get lower, it's not this finite number. But most people respond pretty well to that. Some people respond a little bit better to lower repetitions than that and some people may respond a little bit better to higher. So, and just so you know, research has not concluded that there's a perfect rep range, so there you go. So we use a good range, but the load is important. If somebody is going to work with a client who hasn't worked with them before, like let's say I'm taking one of Ellen's clients who I haven't worked with in a bit, even though I'm always looking at the charts and all that, I mean, that's what I'm looking at. Can you imagine if I picked it up and I'm like, well, they've been working out for a year. I have a pretty good estimate about what kind of weight they can use. And yes, there's plenty of ways to test that like if I didn't know I would start at a lower weight tell them to do 20 and then I'll have a really good idea what to go up to yes but we can all pretty much save time on that if we keep track of the weight and we do so we track it if you ever are curious and say are my loads going up just ask and a lot of times we'll just tell you anyway we'll especially tell you when they are going up because we want to reinforce that to you that it's very important I mean, keep in mind, as you get stronger, as you've been working out longer, those loads aren't going to go up like they used to. I mean, we wish. I mean, when somebody first starts working out, it's like they'll start at 30 pounds in the leg extension. Then 
the next week it's 40, the next week it's 50, the next week it might be 60, and then 70. And then maybe they get into that 80, 90 range, right? And then once they get there, I mean, it's not like it's going to double again. I mean, I promise you that if you get up to 90, it's not going to 180. Not happening. So, you know, the, the loads are going to slow down the increases. But it doesn't mean we stop trying to increase. Like, everything's an intent. We should always be thinking about trying to increase. And sometimes we simply change exercises, and then that's another way that we can overload. But the point is, is always knowing the weight you're using and always striving to go up in loads within your rep range is a great assessment. You are constantly assessing yourself. All right, so other little ways you can do this without having such a formal assessment. Maybe once every, I don't know, do it whenever you want to, but maybe once a week, do a push-up test. How many push-ups can you get? And then at that same time each week, do it again. Is it going up? Maybe you're like, eh, I don't want to do that every week because if it's not going up, it gets in my head. Okay, do it monthly. Because, you know, as they say, if you're getting better, you're getting better. So you can do that. You can do that with, say, pull-ups if you're able to do pull-ups. You know, that's a good assessment to see if you're going up. If you're walking as your cardio and you have a smartwatch, which I think almost everybody does these days, simply check your paces. Are they going up? Well, there's your metrics right there. Is your pace getting faster and your resting heart rate, or your, I should say, your submaximal active heart rate during that time, your average heart rate getting lower. That is a sign of progress. Those are ways to currently assess yourself without doing a formal assessment. Now, body composition is the only one where you would need some assistance on if you wanted to do it right. And that is the one we typically recheck more than the others. I have, let's see... I think three clients that I currently check monthly on body fat, uh, four, four clients I currently check monthly on their body fat. One is a really into metrics and likes to know their lean body mass, and we check it. Another one has dropped a significant amount of weight and wants to do a physique contest eventually, so it's important for them to check it, another one also just wants to stay on top of it as the fourth person. But two of them like really have specific reasons why they want to continue to check their body fat. So it's real simple. The beginning of each month is when we check it. And then I do it with the skin fold calipers, put it in the computer, figure it out, print it, send it to them, put it in their file, and boom. And then the weight assessments, again, are going on as we continue to work out. And if you are a client and we're curious about your body fat because you haven't had it done in a while, just ask. We don't always ask that one because, look, I think everybody knows that body fat is mostly about diet. Working out is going to add the muscle for sure, but to drop the fat, we really need to watch our diet. Hence the reason why I wrote the New York Times, number one best-selling book, You Can't Outrun a Poor Diet. All right, so just like I don't really cut my lawn at 4.30 in the morning, which is what chased my neighbors away, hopefully you know that, my book didn't reach the New York Times, number one. But it should. 
in any event, it's all about the diet there. And not everybody wants to do that. Not everybody really wants to do what they need to do to lose weight. We don't pressure that. That's like, okay, you want help with your diet, which some do. We check body fat and then we tell them what they need to do. And then we check their food on MyFitnessPal, give them meal plans or whatever. But if you are curious about it, then, you know, and you're past those initial stages, then you bring it up and we check. But your assessments are always there. I like keeping training journals for that reason. I like keeping them on paper. I like the old-fashioned way of writing them. Sure, I go back and check what my watch says and all that, but I like writing it down because I go back and I look at it. So I'll wrap up by just telling a funny story about that. I go and get my yearly physical like everybody should. And I remember I was like, you know, I was wondering what I was weighing this time. It was about, I don't know, two months ago when I go. I think it's in August or something like that. But I was like, I wonder what I was weighing when I went a year ago. You know, because even though I stay in good shape, I keep my body fat down and all that, I'm human, right? And I don't want to go in and get told, oh, you gained so-and-so pounds. You know, it's okay. So I'm weird that way. But anyway, so I was like, I wonder what it was because I was at my desk at my home where I do these podcasts sometimes. And I looked at last year's training journal. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go back and look. Sure enough, I went back. I'm like, oh, there it is. So I had an idea. And it was exactly one pound different from when I went this year. So it was kind of funny. My doc says, oh, it's a, you know, you really maintain your weight pretty well. You know, it's one pound difference. And I'm like, yeah, I knew that because I went back and checked. But anyway, I just think it's really good to keep them. You don't have to. But I do think there's value in keeping a training journal where you can keep data and know basically what you're up to because metrics matter and feelings aren't always facts. It's important to look at objective data because sometimes people will say, oh, you know, I'm not feeling very good. I don't feel like I'm getting better. And, you know, that's not always accurate. And I said I was going to wrap it up, but I have one more funny story on that just because it happened this morning. So a uh, good old friend comes in. He, he's a friend from high school. Now he's working out at the gym. And, uh, you know, I'm talking to him as he's warming up on the bike a little bit. And he goes, man, I don't feel strong today. So I said to him, I said, you know, those feelings are those facts. And it was funny. He kind of corrected me a little bit. He goes, well, I didn't say I'm not strong. I just said I don't feel strong. I'm like, touche. There you go. But it's important to understand that we can be wrong with that. And the only way we really know is with objective numbers. So I just think it's important to keep a good training journal and pay attention to what your loads are. Pay attention to what your reps are. Pay attention to what your paces are. Pay attention to your weight. Pay attention to these things. Because if you measure it, you will be able to manage it. That was part two. All right. Speaking of managing, there's no better company in Volusia County to manage your garage door than overhead door of Daytona Beach. They've been in business for 100 years. That's a pretty good track record. And we're lucky enough to have Jeff and Zach Hawk, local owners, run it. It is great. They give the best customer service around. If you need any help with your garage doors, Check them out at OverheadDoorDaytona.com.